Nicole. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 303. Oh, and y'all, she has the heater up because she was cold today. I am very cold today, and I don't know why. Because it's freaking cold. Also, if y'all are in the Facebook group, y'all saw the lovely picture of me in my sweatshirt. I did not know she posted that until it was posted. Sucka. Okay, but for real though, on a side note, so Danielle Z in the Facebook group sent us the cutest art. Cute sounds condescending. Like it was, I loved it. Like I mean that in the truest sense of like, it was so cute. Art. So thank you so much for the art for our walls. Yes. Oh my God. We were both like, which one do we want? Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Because I want a one for my room and one for here too. But we were like, (laughs) it was Sophie's choice. We couldn't go wrong though. Donna took the ghost. I took the cauldron. Because Carrie's a bitch. I mean, witch. <laughs> Y'all, yesterday, we finally got all the Christmas decorations put up. And it was one of those, like, we did, like, a little bit every night. But then last night was, like, the grind of, like, we've got to get this finished. Like, this is too much. We'd already had the yard stuff down. But, like, I just wanted to get all the inside stuff up, too. And then we could, like, finagle everything in the attic later. Like, it's fine. Colby's like, no, while we're doing it, let's just do it. And I was like, <laughs> He's like, come on, you'll feel better when we do it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to. My shoulder hurts, y'all. But we did it. And y'all, <laughs> Colby's on the ladder, like climbing up into the attic. And I was like, your shoes are busting. And he goes, thanks. And I said, what? And he said, isn't that what the kids say? I said, that's busting. Your shoes are busting at the seams. <laughs> like, your foot is falling out of them. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that what the kids say? No, no, it's not, old man. Absolutely not. <laughs> you need a shoe doctor. <laughs> I was dying. I was like, that's bussin'. Oh, my God. Though, to be fair, you don't say your teeth sometimes. Okay, why would I in the all of the planet? First of all, they're his work boots. So, would not say that about them. Why would I ever say that's bussin'? Well, sometimes you're random and you have younger patients, so you'll say stuff. Touche. Uh-huh. But not bussin'. But I cracked up at that. Well, I still have not picked up my Christmas stuff, so that will be this weekend. Well, by the time y'all hear this, hopefully everything will be up. I know that your stuff isn't up because I was sneaking in your backyard earlier. She knew I was there. It wasn't weird. Because we were checking out some deer back there. And when we were leaving your house, all of a sudden, I heard a noise. And Colby was rolling on the ground. What? It's like literally right before this happened, I was thinking, oh, I'm not shining the flashlight enough for him to see like if there's a hole. So like I shot it on him, shot it on the behind him, shot it on him, shot it behind him. And I'm like, are you okay? Like what just happened? He's cracking up. It was fake. He like really like pretended like he tripped and fell. Oh and my like gosh. touched and rolled. And I thought like, oh my God, like I didn't shine this light. He's yeah. in a hole. No. I was like, are you being for real? Like, if somehow I just knew he was fucking with me. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking pretending like he's like a stunt devil over there. Oh, my gosh. He's going to hurt tomorrow. I was like, did you just fake that? <laughs> he was cracking. I was, like, I was like, damn it. I thought you really failed. He is such a fibber. He is. Always trying to play tricks on us. Also, how did you know that my Christmas stuff was still up? I could see your tree. Oh, and from the backyard, I was like. I don't have anything outside, not even my wreath. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, your tree's literally still lit up. Oh, speaking of trees, y'all know my dog with the ornaments with the trees, and it's like a thing. Everybody's trying to figure out how to make him stop doing it. 
did I tell y'all that we left one tree up to make it a Mardi Gras tree? You did. So uh, he's pulled down three beads. And there's this one parade. It's the crew of Tux. And their themes, I really don't understand it. So if you're from the area and you know a little bit more, it's one of my favorite parades. But they do a lot of like toilet themed things. So like they'll throw toilet paper that has like their emblem on it. They have these little like fake toilets that flush and stuff. And then they have these sunglasses that are toilet seat covers that like lift up, you know. He pulled those toilet seat cover sunglasses off. Those are your favorite. I know. I was like, God dang it. I'm about to have to pull some damn anal beads out of this dog. <laughs> but he didn't tear any of them up. He just like pulled them off. So three beads and toilet glasses. Wow. Colby and I were talking the other day because we eat Mexican all the time. Like it's what we go out to eat all the time. It's what I cook at home. Like I cooked us burritos the other day and also got Walmart pickup for taco soup. Like we eat Mexican all the fucking time. And then the other night, I was, like, trying to figure out, like, what do we want to eat for dinner? Like, we didn't have anything to cook, so, like, we had to get something out. And I'm like, what do you, what do you want? He's like, I don't know. I'm tired of Mexican. And I was like, okay, do you just want, like, let's just get, like, chilies to go? And he was like, no, I don't want Mexican. That's not Mexican? I said, chilies? And he was like, yeah. I said, you get the smokehouse combo. Right? You're getting barbecue. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Chili's isn't Mexican. No. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. We ended up going to Taco Bell. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just so much cheaper. But I was like... But it's Mexican. That's oh, more I Mexican know. than oh, for Chili's. Sure. I know. I was like, I'm going to get Donna's opinion on this. Do you think that Chili's is Mexican? Not at all. Not even a little. Like, okay, yeah, they have like chips and salsa and stuff like that. But like, they have burgers and barbecue like you literally yeah. get the ribs and the brisket well the brisket quesadilla i could see how you could make that but it's like brisket i don't know yeah i'm like sometimes you get the sausage like you always get the i mean chilies baby back ribs barbecue sauce like <laughs> it's not it ain't mexican food no i mean not that what we eat is really mexican food around here but you get the point so i'm really trying something different this year you know being positive no I mean, I am being positive, but, you know, just like trying to focus on me. This is the first time in over a decade that I've had no dependents. Nice. Yeah. I mean, sad, but. No, but like, sorry, I was like, nice. Like, that was weird. But like, wow, I didn't even think about that. Like, you started the, actually, no, that's not true. This is the second year. No, Marley. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. God. I have a second human form. Well, she is. Not a human, but okay. Don't even make me. <laughs> You've already forgot about her. Well, I <laughs> assumed you meant like you could write off on taxes. It's tax no. season. No, you're always thinking about that. Me too. I've literally said, oh my God, tax season is coming up. Like <laughs> out of nowhere. Everyone's like, how are you doing? I was like, oh, tax season's coming up. Anyway, but like no one that I like have to focus on besides me. Mm-hmm. There, how about that? That they're depending on me for their welfare. Okay. All right. So I was like, you know what? I have a lot of workplace trauma where my other job, like if I took off for anything, it was like, why are you taking off? Why, you know, like it was just like, be at work, be at work. And that's what I did. Well, so with this new job, they are very much like, take care of yourself. Like if you're off, you're off. Don't, you know, look at Slack. Don't do all of this. And that's really hard for me. 
because I am like, what am I not doing? You yeah. know, because for 10 years, that's what has been ingrained in me is like, even when you're off, you're not off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to start taking time like every other month and just take like a two day extra like vacation. And so I am doing that in February. I was like, took two days. So it'll be like a four day weekend. And I was talking to my manager today in our one-on-one and she was like, I saw that. And I'm so proud of you because she was like, take it. Like we have this to take, Mm -hmm. like take care of yourself, be off, you know? She was like, cause then you come back and you're refreshed. She was like, don't, you know, burn out. Don't do any of this. Like she was like, I am going to keep looking and you better have time off this whole time, you know? And it was just like so freaking refreshing. And so I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying to focus on me. Like, because normally I'd be like, well, I don't need that time off. So like, why would I do it? And it's like, but I do. See, I don't want to use mine like that because I'm so scared I'm going to get sick. Well, we have like 10 days that are sick. Jesus. We have five and then we get paid for them the week of Thanksgiving if we don't use them. So I'm like, "Mm, I need that check. (laughs) Girl, I hear that. But you know what? Speaking of doing things for yourself and for your mental health, this episode is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. Damn, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't have done that better if you tried. Right? If I did try, epic fail. Because self-care is not just a buzzword. It's something that we really do need to focus on. Because we always say, you can't water everyone's garden if yours is full of weeds. Is that how that goes? I don't know, but... That's kind of what BetterHelp is thinking of. BetterHelp's not saying, new year, new you. BetterHelp is saying, look, let's find your strengths and ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that actually stick. And even the smallest change can have such a huge impact. Y'all know I have done BetterHelp and I love it. It truly helped me find the best me and work through things Just the other day, me, Donna, and Tiffany were texting, and Tiffany even said, okay, therapy, Carrie, like, look at you go, like, implementing things that I had learned in therapy. Yes, and not just us, but, like, your coworkers and other people have seen you are lighter. For sure. One of the best benefits of BetterHelp, though, is how it has helped my schedule, because going to therapy is wonderful, and it is very helpful, but sometimes it's really hard to actually go to therapy. It doesn't work with your schedule. Maybe you work a traditional eight to five and that's the only time a somewhere is open. With BetterHelp, it is entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. To get started, you just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And guess what? If you have to switch therapists, you can do so at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp being entirely online, it is super easy to communicate with your therapist. There's a chat feature where you can send questions and they can get back to you, which they do in a very timely manner. And they can send you like worksheets and stuff that, hey, I want you to do this before our next session, yada, yada, yada. And as soon as you end the session, it pops up like, when do you want to schedule your next session with whomever your therapist is? And they offer group classes. BetterHelp is just a great way to start the new year to help you find your strengths and focus on the things that make you you. 
So right now, let's celebrate the progress you've already made and go to betterhelp.com slash APC to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash APC to get 10% off your first month. So let's start this year off right. Go to betterhelp.com slash APC. All right. Remember I did the Japanese doll, Okiku? Mm-hmm. Apparently Google is creeping on me real hard. Remember like last episode, I got your story fed to me on Google. Well, it apparently thinks I'm planning a trip to Japan and they want to give me all the deets on the oddities there. So you're going to give them to us? <laughs> yes, I am. You ham? I ham. I ham what I am. <laughs> yes, I ham. Oh, man, ham cubes would be really good right now. On a salad bar with some ranch, yes. Uh-huh. Or the macaroni and ham sometimes, pasta. Sometimes it, it makes my stomach hurt. Uh-huh. Like, sometimes it's like egg salad. I can't think about it when I eat it. Mm. It's the mayonnaise, I think. Oh. Okay, wow, tangent. Sorry. Look, I have bad issues with food. This morning, when I got to work, my coworker had some yogurt she hadn't finished yet. And I literally was like, hey, are you um, done with that? Because it's making my stomach hurt. Like the smell of it was making my stomach hurt. And she was like, what? I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just so weird in the mornings. I was like, please don't throw it in that trash can. (laughs) Because I would have smelled it. Like when I walked in the door, I was like, oh, somebody has yogurt. And she was like in another room and I smelled it. Yeah. Sometimes your sniffer works like on, I don't know, high alert. Okay. So now that y'all know that about Carrie... I'm going to tell y'all about living Buddhas, which are monks who are self-mummified. Also, please know that I am not dissing on Buddhism or religion or anything like that. And I'm not saying this is paranormal, anything. I learned about it. And so now y'all have to learn about it. And if you already know this, pin a rose on your nose and tell me all the things I say wrong because I know I'm going to struggle. All right. So I'm going to be honest. First, I looked up Buddhism for dummies. (laughs) I mean, that's what I am. And well, I just wanted to give like a brief overview, not, you know, like an in-depth, like, I don't know, freaking college course on it. So just give me the synopsis. Which you did have a college course on it. We literally took comparative religion and we learned about Buddhism. I know. And I can't do it like that. So (laughs) literally search that. Now, do I remember? Nope. (laughs) You'll remember the highlights that I'm going to tell you. So it's the fourth largest religion in the world. It's old as shit because it started in the 5th century BCE in India. So in the most simplistic terms, life and death are just cogs in the wheel. Like your consciousness is not gone when you take your last breath and you can be reborn. So it's just a cycle of life, death, and rebirth. Now, with that, they say life is suffering. So it's just like a constant will of suffering. However, you can end this cycle if you achieve enlightenment, which is known as nirvana. And I don't know what it says about me as a person, but nirvana will always be Kurt Cobain's band. Well, I was going to say, and it smells like teen spirit. Yeah, like every time, like I instantly go to that. So there's four noble truths. There's suffering, origin of suffering, cessation of suffering, and path to the cessation of suffering. So like everyone's suffering in some way. It usually comes from desire. 
it's possible to stop suffering. And then you learn the way to achieve enlightenment and you never suffer again. And that's also the end of my cringe definition, all of that. So how do you get there, though? Well, there's different things, but I'm going to tell you about one way that these monks believe you can get there. And the reason why I had to tell you about that is that you have to understand why some monks choose to self-mummify. And also, we just have to be honest. We know monks are not the only people who believe in mummification. We have the Egyptians and whatnot. But something I didn't think of about the Egyptians and these monks, they are mummified to make sure they're ready for the afterlife. It's all about what happens after they leave Earth. But our embalming technique is really about just dressing the body and making sure it looks good for the viewing. And it's not really, it's not like we don't care about the bodies or anything, but we're not trying to preserve them for anything after this. Like we believe usually when you die, you die. So there's no reason to go through, quote unquote, like such trouble Mm -hmm. because you're just going to be in the casket. Like they want you to look nice for your family and then shut it and you're done. So now I'm going to talk about Sokashin Butsu. That's exactly what I thought you were going to talk about. I really hope I'm saying that right. I am so sorry, y'all. But that really means instant Buddha body or Buddha in this body. Basically, if monks are able to self-mummify, that meant that they have reached nirvana and they ended their suffering and ascended. And basically, that means that they've reached immortality. And basically, they could become immortal. So it's like they're not in their bodies, but they're still able to listen to prayers, grant blessings, and whatnot because of their enlightened consciousness. And, you know, they're not suffering anymore. So this goes back to 1081. And there is this monk named Kukai, who's the founder of the esoteric Shingon School of Buddhism. Now, Shingon is, again, like I said, an esoteric form of Buddhism, which just means like a small little sect. Okay, like esoteric, I did not know what that meant. And I should have wrote down the correct definition, but it's like just a few, like a select few of people would know. It's just like kind of niche, I guess. Okay. Everyone's like, Donna, get a fucking dictionary (laughs) and write this shit down because it's not right. But that's what's in my head. And I think it makes sense. But what it does, it emphasizes the use of mantras, rituals, and visualization as a way of attaining enlightenment. Whereas other Buddhism, like Zen Buddhism, is more just about meditating. But this is more like the ritual part, the mantras, like having a certain routine all the time. And now this self-mummification isn't something that is solely to the Shingon sect of Buddhism, but it's probably most well-known. So Kukai is known after his death as Kobe Daishi. And he like, okay, so he really didn't die because he entered this state of meditation that transcended life as we know it. And what they believe is that he will be coming back in a few million years to help deliver souls that earn it into nirvana. So basically what they believe is like he goes into like a suspended meditation. And he did this by going into a cave 
He stopped eating and drinking, and he was just meditating. Well, eventually he did pass away, and so they entombed him. But for some reason, the monks ended up opening up the tomb, and they were shocked to see Kobadaishi. He looked like he was sleeping, like he was in the lotus pose. So like when you think of someone meditating, like, um, like with their legs, yeah. like crisscross applesauce. Yeah. That's what he was in. And his hair was a little longer than when they sealed him up, but he just looked like he was sleeping. And so they were like, oh my God. Well, they probably didn't say, oh my God, but you know what I mean? But they're like, he's a Buddha now. He is truly enlightened. Like, he has not, like, wasted away or any of that. Like, this means, like, something is immortal with him. So, obviously, this isn't something everyone can do or would want to do. But from this, they believed, like, okay, we're going to do kind of what he did. But over some trial and error, we're really going to figure this out. So, this religious ritual has three stages. And all of them will lead to death. So there's quite a few people, like quite a few monks who have tried this. So let's say over a thousand and only like 20 or 24 have succeeded. Oh my God. So let's just like take that into like, I don't know math, but that's not a lot. So the first stage is Mokojikayo. <laughs> All of these are SP asterisk. <laughs> no, I spell them right. I just can't say them right. Whatever. Okay. You don't even know what you can do, right? (laughs) But what that means is tree eating training. And this means for a thousand days, which is basically three years, this monk will only be able to eat things from a tree. Like nuts, roots, pine needles, bark, some berries, things like that. And it's not something that's prepared for you. You are basically on that show alone where you go to a mountain, Mm -mm. you forage for your food, and there's like a lot of exercise and stuff. Like if you're not foraging for food, you're like walking up and down the mountain, you're doing your little mantras, you're meditating, but like you are constantly going. I don't even want to cook at my home with a stove and get things from the grocery store. Like I'm not trying to minimize like what they're, I'm saying like there's no possible fucking way. Like with all the luxuries of modern day of freaking Walmart delivery, because yes, I pay that $10 a month for that. I still don't want to do it. So, mm -mm. yeah, like I know my limits and that is one. Could not do it. Right. Sidebar, I don't know. I feel like this would probably be in every state. But did you know that if you have Medicaid, you can get Walmart plus for like half price? So for people who are on Medicaid that maybe like can't drive to the grocery store, you can get your Walmart delivery for free. Like that with Walmart Plus, it, you know, it includes free delivery. So like you could get your groceries and stuff delivered for free so that maybe like your caregiver or something didn't have to go do it. Now, I still tip the drivers if you can, but because they rely and the tips go directly to them. But yeah, you can get your Walmart Plus for like half price if you have Medicaid. Well... You're doing God's work. Jesus, maybe Buddhist. I don't know. I was going to say, I mean, we're talking about this being enlightened and you're just enlightening people. Well, but no, I really, I had a patient one time tell me that and I was like, oh my God, that's so helpful because they had had a stroke and they can't drive. So they have to wait. They have a caregiver that comes on their Medicaid waiver, which is like who pays for 
their care during the day at home for however many hours. And so she'd have to wait for that caregiver. And it was like, now with this, she could afford to be able to get her groceries delivered and not have to pay the extra. Yeah, for sure. And some stuff is cheaper too with Walmart Plus. Like you'll get, I know this is not groceries, but like my little blow ups outside, some of them would be cheaper because I had Walmart Plus. And uh, you, this is not a Walmart plug, but I'm just saying for somebody that really needs it, like you can get like 10 cents off gas and all of that. Walmart, hit us up. No, like I know that was kind of a tangent, but I mean, somebody maybe who really needed to hear that. I feel yeah, like for they sure. heard it because, you know, we got to look out for each other in this economy. And if you are on Medicaid, that's a really good way to be able to get what you need, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, for sure. Sorry, when you said in this economy, it reminded me, we had this question at work and it's, what is one food that you do not like? Like, Sam, I am, I do not like it. And one person said milk, but one of my coworkers loves milk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I already hurt his heart because I said no seafood. Yeah. You know, and he's like, none. I was like, none. But so I was like, oh, you know, that hurt his heart because he loves milk. And he said in high school, He would drink a gallon a day. Oh, no. He was like, now I'm trying to only do half a gallon a day. I said, in this economy? (laughs) How do you afford that, sir? All right. Now, back to this. I'm so sorry for this tangent time. But they were, again, working their ass off, literally, and only eating things from trees. And again, it's not like, oh, well, you can make this and do all the things. Like, no, they were, they were like being like squirrels. Yeah. No, that like, how do they have enough energy to do all that foraging when they're literally eating twigs and berries? Well, that's the whole point of it. Even though they were supposed to only eat things from trees, some monks had like whose bodies had been found. They had river rocks in their stomach. (gasps) And this is because they weren't actually digesting them. They were just like putting them in their mouth, swallowing, and it stuck in their stomach. But Why? Why were they doing that? Because it takes up space and it wouldn't make them as hungry. So, or like the feeling of being hungry. And so they would do that to try to like stave off some of that like starvation oh my feeling. Gosh. So this means like while they're doing this, how you're like, oh my God, how do they have the energy? How do they do this? Basically, their bodies were slowly and painfully just getting rid of all the muscle the tissue, like everything. They're literally starving to death. Yes. And that's everything that's prone to decomposition. So they had basically zero body fat, like zero, because they're running, like not running, but you know what I mean? Like they're constantly moving up and down the mountain. They're meditating and they're eating just barely enough to survive. And like, this seems so trivial, but with literally nothing to take their minds off of it. Like, it's not like they could just like, oh, let me turn on a TV or watch something on my phone to distract me from my hunger, you know? Yeah, which I guess is what they're meditating. So this stage was to prepare your spirit for what you were about to endure later. Like, you have to toughen yourself up for these thousands of days, three years, and that's just the beginning. Now, here's the thing. Most monks would do this one to three times. No. So that's nine years 
if this is not a one and done thing, I won't know part of it. But like, can you imagine? Like, no. I would just be counting down and then be like, wait, well. Got to start all over. Yeah. And I'll tell you why in a minute that they would do that. But so really what's happening during this time is your spirit is going through boot camp. You know, your body is ridding itself of fat, muscle, moisture, and you're basically dehydrating your body. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why some monks would choose to do this stage over again is because if your body wasn't dehydrated enough, when you go into the second phase, like you're probably not going to reach nirvana because you're not going to get to that stage, right? So like they're like, if you really feel like, okay, I think this is the best I could do. Let me go to the next stage. But if you have an inkling that you're not going to reach nirvana, you're going to go through it again. Because why would you be doing this if you didn't want to reach nirvana. But like, how do they know like, oh, I'm not dehydrated enough? I mean, I feel like that's just like a question we can't answer. Yeah. It would just be their feeling. So, okay. Whenever they were ready, they would enter the next stage, which is called Niyuji, which means like deep meditation. Now, this is a time that monks would no longer eat anything, but instead they would drink a little bit of salt water. And this lasted a hundred days. Now, they didn't indulge drinking this water or anything. It's very limited. Yeah, they couldn't. God, I mean, that will kill you. Right. But again, they're still trying to dehydrate their body. Another thing they would drink if they weren't drinking water or meditating would be this tea. And this was more towards the end of the hundred days that they would drink this tea a lot. But it was made from... Toxicodendron verniculum, but this is basically what the sap of this would be what's like a wood lacquer in Japan. So just think about like, again, here, I mean, wood lacquer, like that's not going to be healthy that you're, you know, eating this. It's toxic. It's actually the same compound that makes poison ivy poison. Oh my gosh. And they're literally just like ingesting it. Yes. They're making it into a tea. So the reason why they would do this is to make sure that nothing wanted to feed on their body. No maggots, no bacteria, nothing. So like after death, nothing should be present. Like no good bacteria, no bad bacteria, no anything. Because again, dehydration is like their essential key. This would basically cause, like, think about poison ivy in your throat and in your stomach. So it would be itching and you could not itch it or scratch it. You couldn't do anything. And so what it would make you do is vomit and have explosive diarrhea. And they have hardly anything in their stomach anyway. So this is just pure, like, body. Yeah. It would make you sweat and urinate a lot. So again... It's getting rid of the body fluid, but it's detoxifying your body as well by being toxic, if that makes sense. And this sap actually starts to line the stomach as well. So, I mean, just imagine these monks' stomachs, like having that lacquer finish. So now the next stage. It doesn't have a name, but like a lot of the monks do not get to this stage. All right? Like maybe a hundred of them out of the thousand, all right? And these are not like numbers that I have like asterisk. This is from blah, blah, blah. No, 
because there's really no way to really tell. But when the monks, after that 100 days, they're going to be lowered into a pine box. And this box is built for them. So like, it'd be different for me. It'd be different for Carrie, that kind of thing, because it's as tight as it can be, but you're sitting in the lotus position. You have no light in this box, you know, nothing. You get shut in and you get buried into the ground, like 10 feet into the ground. And they put charcoal over and under the box. Now with this, they have a bamboo shoot. So like stick, you know, and they put that down into the box and that's where you breathe out of. So you're literally 10 feet down, breathing through a pole, a bamboo pole. And the monks also have a tiny bell. I don't know why I said tiny, but just, I mean, it's a single bell. Yeah. Now, when they got into these boxes, usually there would have some type of solution from the hot springs water that they would collect, and they would rub it on their gums because that hot springs had arsenic in it. Why do they need arsenic? They're poor stomachs. Do you know what arsenic does to your stomach? Well, you've heard on your stories. I would not survive this. Like, I mean, I know that a bunch didn't, but like, I'm telling you that I wouldn't survive days. But this is the thing, like, you're not supposed to. True. Like, this is self-sacrifice. This I mean, is... God, what a horrible way to yeah. go. Yeah. So they would sit there in their lotus position, just meditating in the quiet. And they would have other monks who were sitting up, like... And watching this box, and they would ring that bell regularly to show that they were still alive. Now, when the other monks did not hear that bell ring anymore, that first day that they don't hear the bell, they remove that bamboo shoot, they seal the pine box, and that's his tomb. And then a thousand days later, so again, three years, the other monks will go unearth the box and open it to inspect the monk. If there are any signs of decay, the body is put back into the pine box and buried, and they did not survive, and they did not achieve nirvana. But if the body's pristine, the monk did achieve the body. He is Buddha in the body. They made it to nirvana. Has I mean, like, so somebody has actually done that with no signs of decay. 24. Well, 20 to 24. Like, I don't, I just don't understand just my basic understanding of decomposition, which is like none at all. As soon as you die, you start producing bacteria to start the decomposition process. Like, I just, I don't understand. Well, and here's the thing too. Like, I mean, they look like a mummy. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not wrapped like the Egyptians were, but it's hard for me to say like, Oh, there's no decomposition because they're all like mummified. It's almost However, like leathery. Yes. But I still just don't understand how their body survived to the point to that level of dehydration to be able to do that. Like, I just, I can't wrap my brain around this. Right. So this ritual, obviously we've talked about it. This is basically a form of dying by suicide, but it is based in religion and it's based in self-sacrifice and all of that. But like you go into it knowing that you might not reach nirvana, but you will die. 
so how do they, I mean, like, does it say how they process that if they don't die in Nirvana? Like, what, I, I get. They just die. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, okay, so, like, let's say you went through all of this, and so you're going to be reincarnated into something else, and then it, will that something else know that it didn't achieve that? Yes, I think so. Okay. I'm not sure about how, like, if your conscious self knows all of your previous things, but, like, I mean, you just keep going through that whole wheel of suffering. Because I guess if you had achieved nirvana, you wouldn't be coming back to the earth. Right. Now, because this ritual is so deadly, I mean, it's, it is suicide. That's the whole point of it. It became illegal because the government was like, this is barbaric. You know, and there were a lot of monks who were doing this because, you know, this is their belief that that is how you achieve peace, ultimate peace. And so it's like, I will go through all of this to achieve that higher enlightenment. That's what we're working towards for life. So why would I not try to achieve this? Now, the last person to complete this ritual did so illegally, and it was in 1903. You like, you read my mind, especially when you described it as, a form of suicide, but for their religion and all of that. And I was like, I wonder why it's not illegal. Yep, it is now. Well, his remains were found by some researchers in the university. And when you're found and you have reached nirvana, you get like brought up, you get like the robes put on you and you're at a temple and you get, you know, prayed to and, you know, all the things like you go and you are, Buddha in the body, okay? If you're not, you, again, just, like, stay in that box and you're buried. But when you think about just how, like, drastic this is, you have to also know this wasn't just, like, like I said, a suicide mission. I mean, it was, but it was also done out of self-sacrifice. And in their beliefs, they really thought that if they achieved nirvana— and who knows, we haven't got there yet, so we don't know. Mm -hmm. But in like a million years or a little bit longer, they would be the ones that come back and they are the like salvation of mankind because they lead whoever are worthy to nirvana. So it's like, I'm going to suffer and do all of this. And if I reach it, I will help others later. You know, it really does show that no matter the religion, there's some sort of like doomsday of like something is going to come in. I have to do this in order to protect people later when the world ends, essentially. Yeah. And it's always like in a million years or something like that. And it's like, but the earth has been around for all of these millions of years, again, depending on what you believe. But scientifically, it shows that the earth has been around for all of these millions of years. And it's like, I feel like no religion reconciles that. Like, it's yeah. always, I mean, even when you look at the Bible, Peter thought, or Paul, I can't remember which one. Maybe it was Mary. Just kidding. Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> there. Anyway, I think it was Peter. Anyway, like, thought that Jesus was coming back, like, within, like, a couple of years, you know? And it's like, well, that was 2,000 years ago. So it's like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not bashing any religion. Everybody believe what you want to believe. I'm just saying that it's, there are so many similarities in every religion when it comes to the fear of the end. Mm -hmm. But when I read about this, I was like freaking gobsmacked that people do this. Like, well, they did this and they survived. That's the thing. Like 
survived enough years, sometimes nine years doing the tree training and all of that. Nine years. And after the second time, I feel like I would be like, man, maybe this just isn't meant for me to be to do this right now. Maybe I need to do this in my next life, you know? But then you've already tortured yourself. You've already done all the things. So it's like, you're not going to live a healthy life after this. Well, and you're like, oh, it's just a test if I do it one more time. Yeah. You know, they it's just a test. And I feel like the people who did it really are like the you and me of the group that's like, well, it might not work. Let me do it one more time. Yeah. Let me do it one more time. I did, Maybe I just didn't do that one thing right. And if I'd have just done that, changed that one more thing, it probably would have worked. Yeah. And so, you know, that I'm just an overthinker like that. Yes. But I know that I do not have the fortitude to do that. Fuck no. Me neither. At all. And again, this is not saying that they are wrong in their beliefs or anything like that. It's just... I didn't even know that that was a thing, the self-mummification for religion, you know, for that, the idea that they could be salvation for mankind later. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is years. It's not this ritual that's like, okay, it's, you know, this is like self-harm over a fucking decade sometimes, you know? Yeah. At the bare minimum, it's over three years. But the last little bit, like, you're... I don't know. It's so hard. And just to think, like, I I don't have the mental fortitude anyway to meditate, okay? Like, I try to think about something, and I think about 20 other things. And I'm like, wait, no, I'm supposed to be focusing. Wait, what am I supposed to focus on? How am I supposed to focus? Like, my brain just does not work like that. And so to think, I mean, just I'm in awe of them of how disciplined they are. But it's also just so scary to think of, these people doing this, I don't know, and just knowing that it's not going to end in anything but death. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking about it, you're going to be reborn or you're going to reach absolute salvation and nirvana. Right. So, I mean, it's just because I don't think like that, you know? Right. So I didn't say the word a lot because I knew I had fucked it up so bad, but that is the Sokushin Butsu ritual. But hopefully y'all found that interesting. Well, and it's so hard to talk about it, too, because I just don't want anybody to think I'm, like, coming for any religion, you know, because you have the right to believe whatever you want to believe. Yeah. But you can see parts of this in literally every religion. Yeah. Also, I said, I hope y'all found that interesting and carry gone. I mean, look, it is 941. (laughs) It just cracks me up to think if I've said all of this and it's all wrong and someone's like, Guess what I learned today? And they say, and they're like, who told you that? Don't tell them it was me, okay? You know, think about my story that I did with the shipwreck and how the people who drank the salt water from the ocean, like, basically died within hours. And they're drinking salt water. That's all they're, that's their only intake. Yeah. With nothing on their stomachs. They have nothing to throw up. They have nothing to poop out. Like, I can't think, I can't. It hurts my body to think of it. Yeah. All right, before we get into my story, we've got to talk about Paired. New sponsor alert, and it's a relationship app for couples. So, of course, Colby and I downloaded it, and we've actually been having fun with it. So, what you do is you and your partner download the app and pair together. Like, you you know, sync, like, this is my partner. You send them their code, and then they connect with you. 
And then Paired gives you questions, quizzes, games to just have fun, stay connected, and deepen your conversations with your partner. Okay, I love this because I used to love those, like, just those random questions that yes. you get out and be like, here, what do you think about this? And it's like, it sparks such a good conversation. Right. And there's different ways to ask questions. Like the question today said, share a photo showing one of your goals or resolutions this year. And you could have either just typed an answer or you could have actually shared a photo. And then sometimes it's like responses and they'll ask you a different question each day. But then they have question packs that are like six to eight questions on a topic or like we did one that was eight unhinged questions, you know, stuff like that. And Colby gets nervous, but like he loves it and he has fun. He'll be like, did you see my answer? And I'm like, yeah, hang on a second. Yes, because it'll notify you <laughs> when they answer. Or if I've answered and he hadn't because he didn't have his notifications on at first, so he didn't know I answered, you can nudge him. Like you can do a little nudge to be like, hey, answer your questions, sir. Oh my God, that would so be me. Like 1000%. Okay, well, what was one of your unhinged questions? Okay, this one I actually did not have an answer for. But what I liked about it is because he and I talked about it, and I was like, I had a really hard time answering this question. And it just sparked such a conversation between both of us. The question was basically, what one of your flaws would you exchange for one of your partner's flaws? Right, so something like, I'm an overthinker, you're impulsive. Sometimes I wish I could just let loose and just go with it like you do, you know? Yeah. What did Colby say? We couldn't think of an answer. Oh, oh, oh no. What did he say? Oh, wait, hang on. This was one, and it said, if you could read your partner's mind for a day without them knowing, would you and why? Yes. Okay, I said no, because my thought process was, like, your thoughts are private, so, like, it's okay for you to have, like, a fleeting negative thought about me. Like, that's human nature to be like, oh, whatever. I don't want to know that. That would hurt my feelings. His answer was yes, because it would be easier to decide what we're eating for supper. <laughs> Mexican. <laughs> but y'all, we have had so much fun with this. There are deeper questions that obviously I'm not going to share with y'all because they're private to the relationship. But there are really deep questions that can get you talking and thinking about things, about where you want to go in your relationship and things that you're looking forward to and all of that. And it's just been really fun to get to know Colby on a different level and in a different way, too. Yeah. Well, and like you said, they have some stuff to lighten the mood and all of that. So it's not just like, oh, this is going to be so deep. Like, you have different things. It's going to be varying. Right. And some stuff is more intimate, like, about all aspects of a relationship. And then some stuff, like you said, is just very lighthearted. So, like I said, we've really started having fun. It's a really great way of getting that question a day and been like, send it. And he's even said, hey, I was telling uh, one of my friends at work today, blah, blah, blah. Aw. Like, Colby's all into it, too. So, we just had a really a good time with it. So, whether you're just a few dates in or you've been together a long time, this really is something that you can do with your partner. Because, like Donna said, she loves those question games. And I've always envied that about you in relationships with people that you're fostering is that you're so good at asking questions. And this would be a good way if you had someone like me that you were talking to that's maybe not as good for y'all to kind of have that common ground. Yeah, for sure. This makes me want to get back on dating apps. Well, if you want to get paired up, you head over to paired.com slash creep to get a seven day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. 
So again, that is P-A-I-R-E-D.com slash creep to sign up today. And you'll get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. And the subscription just opens all the different question packs. Like you'll still get your free question a day, but like you get all these other packs that are open up to you. And that's what we've done. And it's been so fun. So connect with your partner every day using Paired and head on over to Paired.com slash creep to sign up today. A happier relationship starts here. So I went to TikTok for what story to do this week. And there's a creator at Charlie Bourne True Crime, but it's like B-O-U-R-N-E. And she's where I got the idea for this story because one of her TikToks was about the story of Lauren Astley. So Lauren grew up in Wayland, Massachusetts, which is like a upper middle class suburb of Boston. When she was like six, her parents divorced, but it seems like they got along very well, like sharing custody of her. And she just had a great life. She was very active, played soccer and tennis was in the acapella group at school, and just had a really large friend group and was very well-liked. She was super excited because she had gotten into college and was going to be going to college. You don't say. (laughs) Anyway, she was going to be going to college out of state. Like, things were just lining up for her. Now, throughout high school, she had a boyfriend named Nathaniel Fujita. And every time I hear that last name, all I can think about is... Scott Vegeta that played for the Saints that I would be like, Vegeta, Vegeta, Vegeta. Remember that? Didn't you love him? Yes. Don't I love all football players? Yes. But didn't you have a picture with him? No, that was a different guy. Oh. Like linemen. You know, I like them big. You do. I got a tight. I like them big. I like them chunky. That's what Colby sings too. <laughs> Look, we have a type. That's why we work. <laughs> now, Nathaniel went by Nate, so I'm on call him Nate probably through this, but sometimes I'll probably slip and say, Nathaniel, y'all know me, Gertrude and Paula. So Nate was very athletic as well. He was a wide receiver for the football team and was already set to go to college in North Carolina to play for a football team that was like his dream school. Lauren was supposed to be going to school in North Carolina and Nate had gotten into a school in Connecticut. Wow, I suck really bad. But either way, both of them were going out of state to college. You know what? I don't feel so bad about my story now. <laughs> <laughs> I promise we know what we're talking about. Whenever you go up that high-pitched, I know we don't. <laughs> so the two of them dated for about three years through high school. And at the beginning, it was good. But towards the end of the relationship about the last year, things just started getting more toxic. Like Lauren would go back and forth between like, he's great to, oh my God, he's really annoying me and... Like, I want to end this. And they had a lot of breakups. They would break up. They'd get back together. You know, high school love. But this turned much more toxic than just an immature love. This actually became a situation in which they didn't need to be in. So going into their senior year, I actually heard a couple of different timelines of when she broke up with him. I heard, like, at the beginning of their senior year, in April, in May, but before their senior year ended, Lauren broke up with Nate for good. It just felt different this time. You know, she just seemed to kind of come back into herself a little bit. 
much like the other story that I did not too long ago about a very toxic teen relationship in which the girlfriend was kind of starting to get controlled by the boyfriend. And then when they got out of it, she felt lighter and was kind of starting to be more of herself. Now, Nathaniel did not do well with this breakup at all. And I think that there were some obvious signs of mental health issues even before this. But a lot of stuff made it seem like he really went into a major depressive state after the breakup. And to the point where his mom had taken him to a psychiatrist because it was really bad. He was losing interest in the sports. He was losing you know, interest in school. He was staying home, basically not leaving his room. Like he was in a serious depressive state. So his mom took Nate to a psychiatrist to get him checked out. And he was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. It was recommended that he begin therapy and start medication. Now, Nate was basically like, no, I don't want the medication. And so he just upped his facial intake to try to help, which that's not going to work. You have a chemical imbalance in your brain when you have a mental illness. This is not something that you can just take some sort of essential oil or herbs or something like that. Like there is a chemical change in your brain that has to be fixed. But there's also still such a huge stigma and misunderstanding around mental health and especially I feel like even for a teenage boy so he basically was like I don't want to people to think I'm crazy so right after the school year ended they had a huge graduation party where about half of the classmates came so there was about 150 people from her graduating class that came to this huge graduation party where they had like this big tent and music and all the things And Lauren and Nate are broken up. She is doing her thing, trying to hang out with people from her class, trying to dance and have fun. And Nate is there and he's drunk because he had also been self-medicating with alcohol. Now, remember, they're like 17, 18. He's underage, but that's how he's self-medicating. So Nate is trashed at this party and Lauren is just trying to have fun and dance with people and mingle and, you know, what people who aren't introverts do at parties. And Nate's not having any of it. Like, he keeps coming up to her. He keeps bothering. He keeps harassing her at this party. And she's like, you've got to stop. And her mom was there. And she went up to her mom and was, like, bawling. And, like, Nate will not leave me alone. Like, I cannot. He won't get away from me. Well, After this, Nate gets so angry that she's not having anything to do with him and that she's dancing with other guys and all of this, that he actually punches one of the poles of this huge tent that they're all in. And I mean, this is not just like a flimsy camping tent. This is like an event party tent. And he punches it and to the point where the tent like started to fall, like they had to like catch it and like put it back up. Good gosh. I mean, I feel like some of those tents, because what I'm picturing is like for the wedding yes, and stuff. Yes. It's like it'll be raining and stuff and they're still up. Right. Whoa. So after this happened, they were like, you you got to go, Nate. Like you can't stay here. So somebody came and picked him up because, you know, obviously he can't drive. So on July 3rd of 2011, Lauren went to work as per her usual. She worked at like a little boutique in the mall. 
But Nate's mom, because they, like, again, they had been together for three years. They're young. So you know that they were very close to the parents and stuff. Like, there was even a YouTube video at one point where Lauren interviewed Nate's dad, like, for a school project. Like, they were super close. So Nate's mom texts Lauren and was like, hey, can you please check on Nate? Like, he is not doing well. He's super depressed. Like, I can't seem to get through him. He doesn't want to take this medicine, yada, yada, yada. Can you just check on him? I do understand that they were close and all of that, but that's not okay to ask her that. I do agree with that. She's a kid here. I mean, granted, at this point, they graduated high school and all of that, but that's not her responsibility anymore. They broke up. Like, they're not even friends at this point. Like, he can't even be around her. So, like, it's probably not even healthy for him. But the mom was just trying to do the best thing that she knew what to do. Yeah. And I mean, I would have been that mom too. I would have asked, and but I do know, like looking into the situation, yes, that's just not something you should do. So that night, Lauren had plans that she was going to meet up with a bunch of her friends. But before that, she was like, okay, I'm going to check in on Nate. So she had called him a couple of times and he didn't answer, but he ended up texting her and they decided that she was going to come over to his house just to like check in on him. No one that she was meeting even knew that that's where she was going. Okay, that's a little bit of a red flag. Right. The other red flag, though, was for me was that because that day Nate had been at like a family barbecue in like the town over. And when he was meeting Lauren at the house, his parents were still at the barbecue. And so before Lauren came over, he had called the parents of the barbecue to see when they were coming home. They didn't answer because they're like having fun at this barbecue. But he does text Lauren and say to park her car down the street and walk because he didn't want his parents to see that she was there. Which to me was a red flag because his mom is literally who asked her to check on him. So that is a red flag to me. God, this has a lot of similarities to that one that you did. Right. So we know at 7.05, Lauren had sent him a text message that said, here. But after that, it's silence from Lauren. Like, there's no more texts or calls from her. And when she doesn't show up with her friends, they get worried. So pretty quickly, her dad realizes, like, Something's up and they start looking for Lauren and he actually calls the police and files a missing persons report pretty freaking quickly. Well, that's awesome that the police let them do that. Right. It wasn't too terribly long after this that Lauren's Jeep was actually found by the beach. Now, her Jeep was found, the windows were rolled down, and her computer and her purse were both inside. So like, Lauren would have never have done that. Like, literally never left her purse and her computer with rolled down windows. That's just not going to happen. So her dad literally, like, went into the water to see, like, did something happen? Like, can I find her? Like, you know, where is Lauren? Oh, my gosh. That's heartbreaking. So the police get there, and they ask the friends, like, who do you think it could be? Like, if who, where, you know, do you think somebody would have hurt her? Do you think Nate could have hurt her? And their friends were like, wait what? No, like, I mean, they broke up, but like, no, because there's no history of violence. There's, they just broke up. I mean, other than a punch in the, the tent, but like, 
no relationship violence in that way. Again, other than that, because that is relationship violence. But they were like, no, I don't think so. But what they didn't know is the police had actually already been to Nathaniel's house. Nate, Nathaniel? Yeah, (laughs) yes. And Nate and his mom were like, no, Nate's been home, like, alone. And then we came home because he even, like, after Lauren would have left, like, called his parents. were like, hey, like, we all want to watch a movie tonight. Like, totally chill. Oh, my gosh. Well, on July 4th, Lauren had been missing for about 12 hours. When a lady was going bird watching and saw like knees sticking up in the marsh. Lauren's body was found about five miles from her house. And she had been strangled brutally. There was bungee cord like still tangled in her hair. So she had been strangled with a bungee cord and her throat was cut. Oh, Lord. So can we just also take a moment though and thank all the nature lovers because they find these bodies because I would never be out there. Right. Like for real though, they do the most. They really do. Runners, bird watchers, and like hunters and fishermen. Yes. Like they y'all do the Lord's work. <laughs> really do. <laughs> so after they find Lauren's body, they go back to talk to Nate. And this time they do tell police that Lauren had come over when Nate was there by himself. And when they ask Nate, like, well, can we see your phone? It's when he starts getting really dodgy. Because, I mean, her last text message to him is literally saying, like, here. Like, I'm here. Come open the door. So the police actually get a search warrant really quickly. And in the garage, they found a stain. And it tested positive for blood. And then right beside that blood stain were bungee cords that looked like the bungee cords that was found in Lauren's hair. So the search warrant grants them access inside the house. And in there, they find a gym bag that had some tennis shoes that were wet and had a lot of mud. Remember, she was found in a marsh. And then there was like this little crawl space in Nathaniel's bedroom that like, I think led to the attic. I don't really understand crawl spaces. But in there, they found bloody shoes and some wet and like bloody clothes. Long story short, this all gets tested by the crime lab, and it's Lauren's blood. And there were some other things, like people had seen him driving, like windows down, music blaring, like his shirt off because he had taken off, like bloody clothes and all of that. So there's other forensic things linking him to Lauren's murder. But on July 5th, they actually arrested and charged him with murder. So like literally the next day, this was like a one-two day process. She was murdered. They found her body, and the next day he was charged. So this is what police think happened. Nate killed Lauren in the garage. He drove her Jeep to the beach, threw her keys down a storm drain that they were able to recover later on, and then walked slash ran home because it was like a quarter of a mile. And he's a freaking wide receiver about to go on a college fucking scholarship. Like, the boy could jog a goddamn mile. I can't. He could. So then they think he put Lauren in his car and drove her to dump the body he then cleaned up the evidence to the best of his ability which was shit and then just like watched a movie with his parents like nothing ever fucking happened i do not understand how that can happen now the 
families, both families and friends are like, wait, what? Nate did this? Like there were, like I said, no signs that would have pointed to this. And a lot of stuff is calling it breakup violence versus like domestic violence because Mm -hmm. it didn't happen in the relationship. It happened after when he couldn't handle the breakup. But on February 13th of 2013, Nate actually goes to trial. Now, in this trial, they aren't arguing that he didn't do it. They're arguing insanity. Oh, my God. This reminds me of a case I did for a crime to remember. Well, there are a lot of mental health issues happening here. He really was diagnosed with major depression disorder. And his defense attorney was saying, like, he had a psychotic episode. But I don't agree. Because, yes, Lauren's the one that reached out to him. But he called his parents to see when they were coming home. This was not like a, I feel like a spur of the moment thing. Like, I think he was, had enough wherewithal to be like, hey, doop, 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 doop. Y'all coming home anytime soon? Like, how long do I have with her? Yeah. Before I got to get the hell out of Dodge. Because basically, police think that from the time he killed her to the time he went back home was about an hour. Like, he did it pretty fucking fast. And then just to, like, chill with his parents. Like, no signs of a psychotic break after and was able to interact with his family and them seem to be none the wiser. Yeah. Doesn't point to a psychotic break. Right. Well, and he was like, hey, park your car down the street. That, yes. Thank you for saying that, too, because... Yeah, that seems planned, and a psychotic break cannot be planned. You can't plan, which is why he was charged with first-degree murder, too. Yeah. Well, and also, like, if it was a spur-of-the-moment thing and he called to see, like, when his parents would come home and stuff, I just feel like, I don't know, I just feel like the whole parking down the street thing. Right. Like, it just doesn't. Now, when I was in high school, I would call my parents to see how long they were going to be home because I wanted to go outside and smoke one more cigarette before they got home. Right. But, like, he clearly didn't hide his alcohol or anything like that because he was drunk at that party. And, you know, like, I don't think it was something like that where it was like, oh, hey, mom and dad are coming home. I got to hide my cigarettes from them. Well, but even then, it was, quote, unquote, bad behavior. And he was planning on doing something bad. True. I mean, I would call and be like, when are y'all bringing food home? But that's it. This is going to make me so mad. I just can feel it in my bones. Well, and a lot of Nate's friends did testify that, he, you know, his behavior had significantly changed over, you know, the weeks and months after he and Lauren had broken up. Well, and I understand that, but he is the one who said, I don't want to take medicine. Precisely. Well, and then, you know, some people, like, when they went to trial, he had gained a good bit of weight. And so people were like, had he been on steroids or you know, is this the medicine making him gain weight? And it probably is. He went from being a high school athlete to probably, yeah. To, I mean, I, I my medicine made me gain a crap ton of weight when I started it. But uh, I'm taking it because it makes me level, you know. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, of course he gained some weight. Like, I feel like most defendants do when they're in prison like that. Because his mom's not cooking him healthy meals for him to go out on the football field, you know. Right. So I don't. I think that people were putting a little too much emphasis on that. But long story short, with the trial, again, his defense team was going hard that he was in a psychotic episode, and I just don't buy it. And neither did the jury. Actually, the trial lasted three weeks, and it, it took the jury like a day to deliberate. 
And they found him guilty of first-degree murder. Good. And right after that, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The families, I think the families are so human. And I think we have a lot we can learn from them. Because as soon as he was convicted, Lauren's dad went and hugged Nate's parents. Oh, my gosh. Because, you know, ultimately, they're a community. Yeah. And they both lost their kids through no fault of their own, through nothing they could have done differently. You know, Nate's family lost Lauren, too. She was close to them. Yeah. And they lost their son. And then same thing with Lauren's family. They lost Lauren. And then to know that someone that they had welcomed in their home and entrusted with their daughter did it. Yeah. And, and it just really came together and doesn't talk a lot about this publicly. Like, there was a 48 Hours episode that if y'all can find it, you are doing better than me because I could not find it. I could find, like, a transcript of it online. Could not find the dang episode. Ooh. I even bought Paramount Plus for this. <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know I'm going to forget to cancel that shit. <laughs> but it was, like, season 27, episode 6, I think. 5 was there. 7 was there. Six wasn't there. Oh, man. So anyway, Nate had an uncle that was on that, but really his family's kind of staying out of it because they're trying to be very respectful to Lauren and her family. Nate still has not, like, apologized for anything. And that's where I think, too, like, it mm -hmm. wasn't a psychotic break because he truly has, I feel like, shown no remorse for this. Yeah. And so he's still, like, trying to appeal and all this stuff. Like, I really think if it was truly a psychotic break, he would be like, I am so sorry. Like, I did not mean to hurt her. I thought she was coming over to get back together. And then when she's coming just to check on me, I lost it or whatever. Right. You know, it's nothing like that. He was like, she's coming over. I'm a fucking kid. What, when are y'all coming home? And I'm gonna kill her. Yeah. Like, that was out of anger. I definitely think so. Now, Lauren's family has really tried to bring light to relationship violence in teen relationships, like domestic violence, and then this breakup violence. It's kind of a, I don't want to say buzzword, but like it's kind of a new concept of breakup violence. I mean, obviously, it's been happening forever and ever, but I think we're just trying to put a name to it and really... Yeah. We, you know, because I'm one of the people, <laughs> but really kind of get the word out of like, these are things that you need to look for in, in your kids and in your kids' relationships and all of that and to try to keep them safe. So they've like got some memorial funds and all that set up in her name. And they're just really trying to get the word out to help other kids and families not go through this. Gosh, that's just heartbreaking. Because you're right, like, there weren't really signs of it. So it's not like she went over there scared or anything. Right, you know? right. She literally went over just to check on him. Yeah. All right, before we talk any more about my story or wrap this up, we got to talk about Beam. Y'all know Beam Dream beams me off to Dreamland, like, real quick. I mean, like, real quick. Y'all know I love sleep. Like, it is one of my favorite things in life. And sleeping less than six to seven hours a night is linked to a lot. It's linked to lower white blood cells. And what does that do? That helps you fight off illness, disease, viruses, bacteria, all the things. So I need all the sleep and, and illness fighting I can get. And so do you. Well, and not just that, but we've been talking about mental health and everything. And poor sleep can cause weight gain mood issues, poor mental health, lower productivity. Sleep is literally the foundation for our mental and physical health. 
and our performance at work or school or, you know, whatever you're into, man. And y'all know we have been telling y'all about how much we love Beam's Dream Powder, which is like this yummy, healthy, hot cocoa to help you go to sleep. It is the perfect nightcap. Y'all, all I have to do is just, that's me stirring it while we're wrapping up recording, drink it, and then by the time I get to my bed, y'all beaming me to dreamland. I'm telling you, <laughs> and my eyes are getting heavy, kind of rolling in the back of my head, and I am out. But can I just say again, it tastes so freaking good. Well, and they have a lot of flavors, too. Their best selling is like a healthy hot cocoa with no sugar added, but they also have other flavors like sea salt caramel, cinnamon, cocoa, and chocolate peanut butter. Donna's favorite. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Donna loves chocolate and peanut butter. Sleep has literally never tasted better. It really hasn't. And seriously, we are so thankful that we have Beam Dream Powder because we definitely get those restful night sleeps. All you have to do is mix Beam Dream Powder into some hot water or some milk. Stir or froth your way into some good sleep. I use my little stir. That sounded like something else. Not this time. I'm sleeping. A recent clinical study revealed that Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed. And 93% reported that Dream helped them get more restful nights sleep. And right now it is chilly and it is just the perfect time to sip some hot cocoa. But even if it's not chilly, it's still good. You sip the hot cocoa to go-go to sleep. So if you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, you can get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash creep and use the code creep at checkout. That's shopbeam, B-E-A-M dot com slash creep and use code creep at checkout for up to 40% off. Y'all are going to sleep like a baby. Well, maybe not a baby. Why is that a saying? Babies wake up every three hours. But you're going to sleep like somebody that doesn't wake up every three hours because you're going to be knocked the out. So head on over to shopbeam.com slash creep and use promo code creep for up to 40% off. I feel like my story this time was one of the best possible outcomes for one of these cases. Like so often, not so often, but I just feel like a lot of our cases when there's been that insanity plea that sometimes I get so frustrated because like you said, like he refused to take his medicine. And this has come up in a couple of different cases that we've done. And it's like, where does the accountability start? Like, okay, it's your right to not take your medicine. But at what point does your right to not take your medicine keep you from being out in public because you're going to hurt somebody? Well, and again, your right to not take your medicine, that's your right. But then you kill someone or you harm someone because you weren't on your medicine, that's affecting other people, obviously. Right. And if you're going to be released, there has to be steps in place to ensure that you continue to take your medicine. Because clearly you're a danger to other people when you don't have your medicine. Well, and sorry, I was just thinking this is the best possible outcome for this type of case because the families are still there together, you know, like even though they don't have to be the best of friends, it's not a blame game. Right. And that means, you know, it just shows they really were all like a family and stuff. And this just came out of nowhere. I just feel so sorry for Lauren's parents, you know. 
as far as I know, Nate's parents are still married and he had siblings. Like, Lauren's parents are divorced and she was their only child. Oh, gosh. And I don't know if they had children with other partners. I never saw that they did. So nothing ever said Lauren had siblings. So, I mean, I just, there was a quote, I think it was from 48 Hours that was saying, like, her mom was like, I'm never going to be called mom again. Oh, my gosh, that's heartbreaking. So the poor families, they all lost. I mean, there's, I just feel so sorry for them. Apparently, we cannot say a complete sentence today. No, or any other day, but like today's real bad. (laughs) I mean, I lied to y'all about where they were going out of state to college. (laughs) At least I fixed it. (laughs) That was great. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. Hopefully, Wait. What? We have something. What? What is one food? Oh, olives. You motherfucker. Read it. Tell me I mean again. Not read it. You have it in your brain. No, the one food that you cannot like, you don't like, you've tried, you just don't like it. Olives. I try so hard. Do you know how bad I want to drink a dirty martini? First of all, it's like the epitome of class. Like, shake it, not stirred. Like, I need a dirty <laughs> martini. I'm not going to say that was a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> that was terrible, but you get the point. I was Sean Connery. But it's like the epitome of class. Like, I want to drink a dirty martini so bad. And I just can't freaking do it. They're disgusting. They're so good. I love olives. What was your answer? Seafood. Oh, yeah. Well, y'all let us know what your answer is. And thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.